Previously on Life's Bought a Song. <gasps> they sing tightrope in that movie? Oh, Lauren, we have to watch it and maybe do another episode. <laughs> we probably, all right, sure. Well, guess what, everybody? Um, You're not rid of me yet. I'm going to come back from Happy Feet 2 probably sometime next year. Life's Bought a Song, so you can sing along special guest or two or two you like to sing and dance and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you song, yeah. hello everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals i'm your host john and with me today it is a returning guest because this is the sequel to a movie we did earlier. It's Lauren Gismondi, everyone. Whee! Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you, Lauren? Oh, well, I'm here, so that's good. Yes, yes. The best, the one of the besties of the pod has returned. And we're here today to talk about Happy Feet 2. Now, yes, yes, we are. Happy Feet 2 came out in 2011. Uh, screenplay by George Miller, Gary Eck, Warren Coleman, and Paul Livingston. Directed by George Miller, Gary Eck, and David Pierce. Uh, and uh, I don't have music and lyrics because obviously it's another jukebox, so that would be a nightmare to list everyone. And according to IMDb, Mumbles' son, Eric, is struggling to realize his talents in the Emperor Penguin world. Meanwhile, Mumble and his family and friends discover a new threat to their home, one that will take everyone working together to save them. Lauren. John. <laughs> Lauren. What? <laughs> this is not my fault. <laughs> I know, I know. We both made an agreement on the last episode. <laughs> to talk about this but like what is this movie i think um there's the old saying of putting you know 10 pounds of shit into a five pound bag that's what this movie is and it's not to say that it is in fact shit but it is um how do i say this they try to just put a like just cram so much in there that a lot of things just got lost well, because I mean, of it. <laughs> you can tell that there's a lot of storylines going on that they were going to culminate at the climax, you know, meet together. Whatever that was, yes. <laughs> it was breaking the ice so that the penguins can climb out of the little area, right? Is that the, that was the climax? <laughs> yep. Sure. That was that, that was the thing. <laughs> But like, okay, first and foremost, what are the krills supposed to represent? I don't know. All I know is I so enjoyed Brad Pitt and Matt Damon that I didn't really care. Bill and Will, you mean? Yes. (laughs) I had that moment. I'm like, this seems like it doesn't fit in at all. It's this extra storyline that I didn't know I needed, but here it is. What am I supposed to do with it? I don't know. Right, because like... I mean, I guess they're supposed to be like, even the littlest thing can make a big difference, a big change. Yes, I guess. That's stretching it. (laughs) But like, I was just sitting there, I was like, why? 
why do these exist? I'm happy they exist because it's some levity. Yes. Why, why do you exist in this world? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't write it, you know? (laughs) And the only reason I'm even talking about it is because you had me on the first one. So I had never, for reference, for those of you that um, are not aware, I had seen the first one many years ago and I've seen it multiple times since then. And I had no, I didn't know there was a sequel until we happened to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So this is my first time seeing it. And I think if I'm really frank, it's probably going to be the only time I see it. And I'm saying that at the top of the episode. So uh, there's that. Just like, oh my God. I've Well, definitely not the worst thing I've seen for this podcast. <laughs> the bar. Where is the bar? Yes. <laughs> the bar is down the road. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, it just felt like it. Yes, it was just too much. Just like maybe, I don't know, pare down a storyline or yeah, take just one pick out. One. Pick a theme. Because I felt like there were six or seven and they were trying to really get a message across, which I absolutely appreciate. But at the same time, when it's too many messages in, you know, what is it, an hour and 40 minutes of time? Give or take, yeah. Yeah. It's just. It, I don't think it gives the audience any time to actually digest what it is they're seeing. So you go away kind of not getting anything out of it. No, because we've got global warming. Yes. This t- this time we get global warming. Last time yes. I, I stretched it saying it was there. It was but, there, but it was not as present, was, we'll say. Right. We got global warming. We got uh, the krill. We've got... <laughs> We've got okay. Sven's storyline, which welcome Hank Azaria. You were you were great. Uh, you've got Eric's storyline, which it he's just being a brat the whole time. Ooh. You've got the the peng the penguins being stranded because of global warming. So maybe that's just like an addendum to the global warming storyline. Yeah, because it's all connected. And then we get the return of the humans and then the the sea lions? Was that what they were? Elephant seals. Elephant seals, that's it. And at this and it I'm just like, there's so much. There's so there's too much. There's like part adventure, road trip feel to this. There's like I said, the littlest thing can cause the biggest change. And you're just like, what what and on top of it, it's a musical. Right. <laughs> And by the way, everybody's singing. And everyone's singing and or tap dancing. Yes. Because everyone tap dances at this point. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel about Sven? I mean, it was fine. You know, I hate to be the person that was like, eh, it was okay. I, I didn't feel any ill will towards the character. As far as I'm concerned, Hank Azaria can do whatever he wants. And I will be like, okay. But that's because I'm I'm a long time fan, right? So my perspective on it is slightly different, I guess, than somebody who's just watching for the first time, being like, "Why do we need a puppet?" And it did take me. I would every uh, biology teacher I ever had is going to be mad at me. It did take me a while to figure out that he was a puppet. I was like, "Is there?" A, and of course, I'm sitting there like a kind of like a dumbass, thinking to myself, "Is there a breed of penguins that can fly?" I did and, the you know, same thing. <laughs> 
when I got, well, then I remembered, I'm like, cause we're going to Iceland, you know, in a couple of weeks at this point. And I had realized like, oh no, wait, puffins are in Iceland. He's a puffin. Sven, Northern, like Northern European, Icelandic. Okay. I figured it out. The accent makes sense now, right? <laughs> Did it take about an hour? Um, also, yes. <laughs> it took me until his reveal. It took me until his reveal to be like, oh, a puffin. Okay. Like, <laughs> we did I, not watch the puffin and the pebble growing up, John, or at least I certainly didn't. <laughs> I mean, I think I kind if I kind of knew he wasn't a penguin because the way that he would evade things, I was like, you're not a penguin. But like at the same time, I was my brain was like, "But are you? Are you a different breed that can fly?" I felt he was more like a cult leader or an accidental cult leader, I should say. Yeah, because uh, Lovelace doesn't help. <laughs> no, of course not. But that's not Lovelace's like job. <laughs> right. He uh, is just great to like build things up be like you got the power in you so that's great but thanks robin williams thanks robin williams and robin williams is back playing multiple roles yeah um do we want to talk again about him playing a a latinx penguin do we I mean, should we address this again? Is that really what you're asking? Well, he does this. We talked about it in the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I feel like Lovelace, though, had a bigger role this in this movie than the Amigo did. I think so. Yes. As, as much as I loved it, like, I love Robin Williams and everything... I still feel like they could have cast somebody else because now we're in 20. Exactly. I'm like, I don't know, y'all. You had time and you still didn't change anything. It's not, and you know, they they didn't replace, you know, who, like there was no Hugh Jackman, no Nicole Kidman. Brittany Murphy at this point had passed away. They replaced Um, another person too. Who am I I forgetting? I think it was was Common in it the last time or is he? No, no, no. That was, this was the first time only. I think. I don't think that character existed in the first movie. Uh, hold on. I For Oscar... Uh, nope, nope, wrong one. <laughs> yes, yes. Seymour was voiced uh, by Common in this movie and er, was originally voiced by Fat Joe in the first one. Oh, okay. Uh, I wasn't paying that much attention. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, he didn't really have that big of a part in either movie. It was bigger in the second, mm-hmm. for sure, I would say. Because he's, his kid is one of the three that go on that adventure. With, yes, yeah. exactly. Do you feel like this, mov- this movie should have existed? Or did Happy Feet, like, was great by itself? I think it was great by itself. That said, I think the animals are cute. So I don't, I'm torn, really. I mean, I could sit and watch cute little animals doing things forever i really could that being said i'm not sure it was as necessary as the first one is because the first one uh, i mean we we talked about it ad nauseum so you, you the listener should go back and listen to it if you haven't already we had a great conversation about it where 
They had some great messages, but they weren't too preachy about it. This one, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> Things happen. One of the questions I wrote down are, is how are these penguins alive? I'm surprised they survived. It feels like for so many. Feels like in this one, they took a little more liberties when it came to the animation. Where like the first one they tried, so they really tried to stay true to like realistic Mm -hmm. how penguins move and everything. But in this one, it felt like they were going for more cartoony approach. You know, they fall tens to hundreds of feet and are alive they crash into ice and they're still alive like what's going on some of the movements they do i'm like i don't think that's (laughs) that's that's, not natural that's not natural no oh boy lauren (laughs) i'm so sorry i mean you know in fairness we didn't know we had a well I didn't know. I'll speak for myself. I did not know what was going to happen in this one. And it really did just feel like big old mashup mess thing. A conglomerate of ideas that should work together, but for some reason, it just didn't. Right. Like the producers were like, let's make more money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That said, like, we're here to talk primarily about the music again. Like, let's get into the music then. Yeah. Let's talk about Pink and how I'm exactly, I'm exactly Love that. John just sitting there nodding and shaking his head at me. But I was, I was thrilled. I mean, I could listen. Pink is somebody I've been listening to since I was a teenager. So it's always really cool to hear people that you, like, you know, their repertoire, you know who they are and what it is that they do, and then watch them do something that's different i mean yes we were still getting her singing pop songs and stuff but i think that was the first time she really kind of emerged as like she could be a really good voiceover actress well when she did bridge of light actor actor sorry uh bridge of light didn't feel like it's one of the songs that she normally does yeah it is her later it's closer to her more recent stuff i think Granted, you know, I'm also thinking of early Pink where she was Get the Party Started. Oh, okay. I feel like Bridge of Life was a step in the direction that she has since headed in. Mm. That kind of singing, like having it be super deep and and really like raw and emotional. And ballady and, you know, actually showcasing her voice and not falling into the pop tropes. Yeah, I would say more recently her doing um, What About Us and um, Mm. uh, Just Give Me a Reason, um, which is a duet, is just like, it's like, ooh, this stings. I love it. But it's great that we get like both sides of her. So Mm -hmm. in the Happy Feet medley. At the beginning, yeah. We get that, the the pop diva-ness of her. And then Uh Bridge of Light, we get the soulfulness that we were just talking about. I know I put tightrope on here and that's like the ending credits and it's Janelle Monet and all that, but part of me wishes it was Pink covering her. Oh, that would have been cool. I think it's, I mean, it's cool that it was Janelle Monet because at that point she was relatively unknown in 2011. Right. And tightrope is her song. Yeah. So, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, 
like the music in here in this movie, I really enjoyed, except for Eric's opera. I fucking hated it. <laughs> you know what's funny is that that aria, that melody is one of my absolute favorite. It is my absolute favorite um, Puccini aria ever written, um, which is uh, El Luce van le Stelle, which is from Tosca. And as I was listening to it, it took me like about 30 seconds of listening to it going, I know this. Why do I know this? I mean, it's being sung in English and those are not the, it's not a translation at all. But I sat there and I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is serial. This is very serial. But I agree. I mean, it was sort of interesting because he spends the whole movie trying to find his talent and he's an opera singing penguin. Oh John, how many years did you work for the Met? Surely this must have given you some kind of feeling. <laughs> well, so when in Tosca does this ha- does this aria happen? Is uh, it before her it's, death? It's before, yeah, his death. Before his, he's sitting there. He's in the jail, and he's waiting for his execution. Okay. And that's the song he sings, talking about Tosca and her oh. in the moonlight, and them being, you know, adults. So I don't remember that. I've worked different Toscas and just like over my head forgot. (laughs) But when Eric starts singing it, I'm just like, what is this? Like, why? I get it that he's a little different than the pop rockness that we've been witnessing through the Emperor Penguin world. I just wish though, I don't know, it was a little more... I don't know if I want it to be a little more noticeable of an opera or like a better written song. There was just something that I was like, no, no, none of this right now. But I did love the elephant seal singing Rawhide. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. That and was great. <laughs> Hank Azaria leading Papa Um Mau Mau. Yes, that made me laugh so hard. The big song this and this one was under pressure rhythm nation i loved it repeated one so i after that after seeing that i had under pressure stuck in my head and it was relentless just walking around like out in the world walking around queens and brooklyn going dun, 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 dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-d
Oh, how... shit. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I loved hearing Brad Pitt playing his Tyler Durden-ness in this. Yes. But Stephen Colbert and Jon Stewart, man. I mean, the only thing that would have been better would have been Jon Stewart and John Oliver. Oh, my God. <laughs> Or, Especially with the John Oliver being the lost Krill that spends the whole time freaking out, which would have been which would have been great as, as his predecessor for Zazu in the in the dumpster fire Lion King movie. Uh huh. I mean, it, they could have <laughs> they could have made it a trio: Bill, Will, and Phil. And Phil could have been John Oliver. Can we get the entire cast of The Daily Show, circa two thousand nine? Can we get all of them in here? Can they just all be the Krill? That would have been good. And then, then Trevor Noah for no for no reason. Exactly. Then you get Ed Helms and you get Samantha B. I mean, they could have been a lost brigade, excuse me, of um Krill. <laughs> okay, so wait a second. We've got Bill, Will, I added Phil. Lil. Lil for uh Samantha, Samantha B. B. Uh, and Trevor Noah can be Gil. Gil. This is the most bizarre fantasy casting. I love it. Oh my god. <laughs> But we get oh, <laughs> so on an animation note, it felt like Mumble. They redesigned Mumble, where they did. At, at the end of the first one, he didn't have a lot of feathers left. Like he had only a sparse amount of feathers on his chest. But it feels like in this one, they added more back. And I was like, mm, I don't think how that's does how this work. <laughs> I, it feels like if it. Uh, it feels like from the first movie, once you lose your feathers, you lose your feathers. You become slick-skinned and everything. You would think so, but like, we don't know. <laughs> I decided that for all of us. Well, if I remember no. correct, if, Lauren, if I remember correctly, you were the penguin uh, <laughs> enthusiast last one. I am the penguin enthusiast. You're damn right. Uh, okay, so fine. With that in mind, um, yeah no it didn't make sense to go backwards right unless we're in a time loop and nobody told us which Mm. i mean they could have done for all we know so probably not but still to go back to eric's opera for a oh yes right since i have you here uh i don't know if it's ever been announced lauren has a vast knowledge of opera and she's Uh sung it a bunch too is there maybe a better melody line or better opera to reference for that moment for that character yeah i mean he's singing it well let's i guess we have to ask what is he actually singing about right what is little eric eric Eric. (laughs) singing about about in this moment what is he singing about i don't remember okay (laughs) well then this conversation is done (laughs) I, I blacked this movie out. I'm sorry. I wrote Good this question. Lord, why we went through I my always... questions. Okay, hold well, on. So Happy I, feet to I feel like Eric's, he's singing about, you know... Eric's like def- opera. Here we go. Defending okay. his dad and everything. Okay, after all you hear... I'm going to read the lyrics because I just pulled them up because I'm like, I don't freaking remember. Don't uh, sing them. Just read them in I'm, a I'm non-rhythmic... Not- tune because i don't want to pay copyright okay so first of all um omar crook and eg daily 
uh, contributed on the album for this song. And you know, I have a deep and profound love for E.G. Daly. Love her, love her, love her. She's one of the many unsung heroes of the animated world voiceover work. Hoop-de-doo. Okay. okay, so there's my little tangent. Okay, uh, after all you have done, you really deserved better. Nothing makes sense in this world. It's all a big pile of crazy. And all the kings are fools. Where is the honor when a solemn, solemn, excuse me, promise is just a pretty lie? And the mighty mock the courage of the humble. Although he's just an ordinary penguin, my daddy taught me, you don't need to be colossal to be a great heart. You don't need to fly to be awesome. My hero, my father. So he's pretty much defending his father. I was right. Yes, I Eric didn't is it out. Oh, you okay. didn't black it out, but there you go. But um, yeah, so Eric is defending his father. And Lucifer Lysel is an interesting choice, then, you know, that's why I said earlier, I'm like, that doesn't quite make as much sense. Can I just say, though, I had the song from Pagliacci stuck in my, like, while you yes. were reading it. Ridi Pagliaccio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that would have been that would have been very another again very interesting, super dramatic, would have worked. What's the, the other name of I, it? Um oh god, I, I only really know it as Ridi Pagliaccio, which oh Vesti La Juba. Because that's the way it starts, is he's the clown is putting on his costume and his makeup. So that's what that is. Vesti la juba mm-hmm. um, from Pagliacci. Uh, I also think, um, even though O Mio Babino Caro is um, sung by a, a female character in, um, oh my goodness, I can see the name of the opera in my head and I'm going, uh, Gianni Skiki, there you go. Uh, I have a COVID brain, everybody. <laughs> it's like a faulty steel do. trap up in here, you know? <laughs> we all... Um, Time and everything else, we all have a COVID brain, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that would be the other one because that's where she's sitting there and she's begging her dad to like, please let me marry this man. There's a bunch of arias about fathers. I'm not as familiar with French and German operas as I am Italian because Italian is my second language. That was just something that my great grandparents listened to. So I grew up listening to it. Um, But I don't know if Eluce Van Lestelle was the best choice. (laughs) <laughs> or um uh oh crap the um in okay so another italian one in <laughs> turindo turindo yeah. turindo i don't know i guess it depends on who you ask <laughs> um the one aria that the the male lead sings uh that's used in car commercials nessun dorma yeah yeah, would that would that melody line do you think would have worked? The thing is, is any of these melody lines would have worked. That's that's really at the. But if we're talking about like what the original context is from its opera, no, no, okay. <laughs> no. Nessun dorma is all about um, it, it's him defending his honor, and he's telling you know basically saying like I will have you, princess. I don't. Does it matter how? Does it matter where? When? And he's like I solved the riddle you're mine, I will win, and everybody mm. right now, and nobody is going to sleep until then. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's the long and the short of it. Italians are known for a couple of things, one of which is overly passionate and somewhat ridiculous opera storytelling. 
really. They they got some things out in those operas, some real problems. Because <laughs> like there, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of song in this movie. There's less, I think, than the first. Right, because the the first we had a lot of mon, not montage, wrong wrong word, a lot of mashups. Um, mm-hmm. But like this one, like that we open with like a what a five minute mashup, fanta- yes. phantasm. <laughs> yes, Fantasia. Fantasia, and then you know we get Bridge of Light, Papa Uma Mao. Eric's opera, Rawhide, Under Pressure Rhythm Nation, but like I feel like we needed a maybe a little more or something. Maybe the Krill could have had a song. That would have been cool, but I don't know what they would have sung about. Other than I guess, don't worry. I was gonna say, don't worry, be happy. Well, the other one's having a complete nervous breakdown. <laughs> or there's that moment where there's only one because the other one like disappears. So they could have sung all by myself, maybe. Oh yes, all by myself. Or um... one is the loneliest number. Like there's. <laughs> I would have loved one is the loneliest number. Like I know that would have made me happy. I know Matt Damon does like sing a little, but like it's not credited on my song list here nor anywhere that I found online. Mm-hmm. Um, which I kind of appreciated because that was like a little I get it, like I said, they're the comic relief, they're the clowns. I loved it. <laughs> but I was yes. like, why do you exist in this movie? I don't think they knew why they existed, but they were like, you know, sometimes actors take on gigs, even like famous people take on jobs because they think it's something that their kids will love. Yes. Yeah. You know, we see that all the time. I mean, that's half the reason that some people end up on The Masked Singer. They're like, my kids love this show and I thought it'd be cool if I could go on it and, you know, surprise my kids. And in my mind, I'm like, your kids have got to know where you are. Like, your kids probably aren't totally stupid, but what do I know? Or the reverse happens, because, like, didn't, it isn't, uh, like, Kristen Bell's kids don't think that that's her voice on screen? Yes. Or they're they're not so proud as much as, like, oh, another Frozen That's what it is. I think it's that. It's like, oh, God, Mom, seriously? Oh, God, Mom. But, uh, Yeah. I get it. And you could tell, though, that the voice actors in this movie were having a ton of fun. Like, I hope um, Brad Pitt and Matt Damon were recording together because they seemed like they were. Oh, no, they definitely must have been across from each other to get that timing right. They had to be close. Yeah, because it seems like they were talking fast. They were. For the little characters. So, like, they had. You had, yeah, I hope though, like they were, unless if they weren't, then you guys are great actors. Keep doing mm-hmm. the voice acting. It's true. <laughs> uh, Lauren, is there, I mean. <laughs> this is going to be a short episode. It's, it's going to be a really short episode. Cause like, I don't know. We don't real. Climate change is real. Everyone. I mean, <laughs> we kind of talked about it last time too, but like you know we we only have one earth um at this rate we probably only have 10 years left until all of humanity is dead bye <laughs> according Yay. to articles and stuff but Yay! but like you know save the penguins save the world save everything. I, yeah and really what it comes down to is that and 
I think what happened at the most recent um, climate uh, summit that happened in November, and you think it was like yeah, late October, early November-ish in uh, Glasgow, was the conversation, I'm going to get political, sort of, everybody, so uh, buckle up. If politics scares, John's shaking his head. Okay, never mind. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying let's do it. Let's go there. Okay, I got to go there. Okay. You can edit that part out if you need to. <laughs> Who knows what I'm going to edit this episode? Oh, geez. Good point. Uh, anywho, what happened in Glasgow is, and the surrounding circumstances were like kind of all these world leaders from a lot of the wealthier countries in the world, sort of like patting each other on the back, like, oh, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. The reality is, however, is that the poorer countries, the poorer nations of the world are the ones who are going to bear the brunt of climate change before anybody else feels the effects. And I say that because I was in, uh, for example, I was in San Juan um, at the beginning of November for a last kind of hurrah, we're going to thaw out before the winter comes sort of uh, thing, field trip. And even there, I have to tell you all that parts of the island still have problems with their electricity. There isn't a ton of Wi-Fi in Puerto Rico. Um, I also learned like there are nearly no streetlights. There are still buildings that are completely decimated from the hurricanes. And in talking to the people who live there, for example, them, a lot of it, the feedback that, you know, conversations that we were having went something along the lines of, you know, the concern is that it's only going to get worse. And there, there's an interesting kind of juxtaposition happening where you have some people who are looking around going, we're doing really good. And then there are other parts of the world that are, clearly still suffering and will continue to suffer until things get better for everybody. So that's what I think is interesting and good that this movie and its predecessor bring up, which in the first movie was a conversation a little bit about climate change, but first and primarily was the supply chain of food overfishing. And in this movie, we really get into the ramifications of um, climate change and global warming because you how many times is there ice that's just shedding in in happy feet too it happens multiple times yeah so it's you're getting that visual and the impact and you're seeing the impact it has on these animated creatures so what in turn does that mean for what's happening in real life if anybody's seen any nature documentaries in the last decade uh you know what i'm talking about and if you haven't this is now we can say we can kind of crap all over this movie all we want, but at the end of the day, the primary message is still true and it's still current to what's happening now. Maybe even more so now than it was, you know, it was made in 2011. It's been 10 years. Right. Welcome to Science and History with Lauren Jesmonde. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Science. Yeah, welcome to life's but science. Pretty much. I think, you know, it it is something that is going to ultimately affect everybody. Mm -hmm. And there's like, there's no way around it. We we got to, if things don't get better, like yesterday, we're screwed collectively. Right. Um, But, you know, at least Pink and, uh, oh goodness, who else sings in this movie? It's Pink. Who else? Sings? Robin Williams. Yes, Robin Williams. Well, at least, well, he, oh God, he's Hank not Azaria. here anymore. Oh God. 
Hank Azaria, that one that you were talking about, the unsung hero who does Eric. E.G. Daly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like, though, the first movie was a little more educational about it than this one. Yeah, this one, I think, was a bit more declamatory. Mm -hmm. Proclamatory. Sorry, proclamatory, not declamatory. Wrong word. But, like, it it didn't feel like I learned anything new. <laughs> but that's just like, me. what do you mean you did not learn anything what is this nonsense anything new i wish there was like a line of like you know we need to change things now for the future or something yes like how do we get the humans to fix things because that was that's something that in, in both movies that came back that theme of like how do we get the humans to the aliens who are the human beings how do we get them to to help us to fix things? Right. And what's nice is that the human beings in both of these movies do come to the aid of the animals. They did try to to save the emperor penguins. It feels yes. like that's what I'm saying. They come to their aid. Yeah. So. So, but <laughs> it still speaks to a much bigger thing. Like, yes, these one, this one particular group has been saved. What's what about everybody else? What about everyone? Everyone else, all the other creatures? Like, what is bleh, what's left? Right, you're right. You're right. I know. What about the krill, everyone? The krill. <laughs> what am I going to do about the krill? I don't know. <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into sharp and flat? I think we could do the shops and the flats. Okay, let's get into the shops and the flats, shall we? in this section we're gonna highlight some moments whether or not we talked about them i think mostly we talked we talked we talked enough uh (laughs) if we liked it it's sharp and if we didn't like it or thought it could change it's flat lauren what is what are your sharps that's a good question well i already said I, i have a deep love and affinity for pink uh, I think as far as a replacement for Brittany Murphy, their voices don't have a ton of similarities. So that's my only, I, it's, that's like a natural, I guess. It's like, I love this choice, but it doesn't quite line up with who was there first. Don't worry, I have a natural so we can revisit this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, but um, I mean, I thought the little baby elephant seals were freaking cute. Oh my and- God, yeah. <laughs> That made me cry when those little elephant seals where their daddy was trapped and they were like, but daddy, can't you move? I was dead. D-E-D dead. Baby elephant seals. Oh my God. They gave the sad puppy dog eyes too. And I'm just like, oh. Like, God, dang it. And then it all works out. Um, I think, I mean, I loved Bill and Krill. Uh, Bill and Phil. Will wrote, and Bill, whoever they are. The crew. Bill and Will. <laughs> I wrote them, I wrote them down too as as a sharp. Yes. I think in a movie where you know the whole everything is being destroyed or is on the verge of destruction. And then you have these two krill. It's very much like, I, I felt like, you know, there's Hamlet going on over there. And then there's the, like, then there's like waiting for Godot with these two krill who are just like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, and the other one being like, we really shouldn't do that. 
I mean, I guess the only thing that it's not like waiting for Godot is the fact that they do do something, they do move, but it's, I don't know. I liked the dichotomy of the, the things. Or is it Hamlet and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead? Yes! Smart. That's what it is. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, I also sharped Eric's friends. Loved them. They Fucking were cute. Eric felt like way out of place. And I was just like, I wanted more of that, the friends than Eric. Um <laughs> Especially his little friends yodeling. That was cute. That was precious. And yes. And I also sharped under pressure. Um, yeah. The performance I, was great. I know that we were last time we were talking about how Queen music, Queen's music gets overused. But this time I, I appreciate it. I love, I mean, I love that duet between Freddie Mercury and Queen and David Bowie. I got so, right. I don't feel like under pressure is used more than somebody to love. That's fair. So, and when it's done, it's usually done right. Yes. You know, so it's, I really, I really enjoyed it. And that's <laughs> all that matters. Yay! Uh, okay, so every once in a while, I, co- I, I come up, or my guest in this case, has what's called a natural. It's neither sharp nor flat. We neither liked it nor hated it, but we need to talk about it. <laughs> Remind me again, what was your natural? As much as I love, yeah, yeah. It's it's just from a musical tonal standpoint, especially because you're in that situation specifically, Brittany Murphy died before I think this movie got into production. So they they knew they were going, if they were going to keep Gloria in the story, they were going to have to replace her with somebody. So I... Like I said, I love Pink. I just wonder from a tonal standpoint, because Brittany Murphy had this super light, super mm-hmm. easy sound to her. Like why they wouldn't get somebody like um, somebody like Sarah Bareilles, who naturally has a lighter tone to their voice. Or mm-hmm. a voice actor, actress, whatever the politically correct. Whatever the correct avoid. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean it's both. <laughs> um, who can match Brittany Murphy's voice? Yeah, that would have worked too. The, those people exist, so that would have been great to highlight this actor's career. To be like, oh, I can, you know, sound like Brittany Murphy, even though I'm not her. Right. My natural though is the details in the animation. <laughs> because sometimes it looked great and other times it looked god awful. Mm-hmm. Like there's a moment where we are zoomed in on one of the krill and they are outside on the snow and everything. Yes. The detailing on the snow is fantastic whereas the krill just looks like a cartoon. And you're like Mm. <laughs> I see where you spent your money. <laughs> yeah, you spent your time definitely on the snow. <laughs> Sorry. It's true. It's true, though. Yes, yes, it is. You're not wrong. Okay, mm. what were your flats? I think I started off the whole episode with a flat, which is just stuffing, putting too much stuff. Yes. Into a short time period. And I then agree. expecting us as the audience to be okay with that. I 
back you with that choice a thousand times. Woo! I also wrote down Eric and Eric's opera. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I hated it as much as you did. I thought it was cute and sweet, but I also, like I said earlier, I'm like, I just think that we maybe missed a point here. It just felt like it came out of, it didn't feel right. You know what made it not feel right is nobody addressed it after it happened. Right. To be like, oh, opera's your voice. Yes, exactly. Nobody said nothing. And so that kind of, I think that that only added to your feelings, really. I also really didn't like Eric as a character because like (laughs) he's choosing to believe in the cult leader and not listen to his dad who's like, you can't fly. Like you're a penguin. You can't, you literally cannot fly. In fairness, they were all duped though. He just drank, he drank the Kool-Aid that, you know, a lot of other penguins were drinking. It, it felt like, though, that, like, Eric was meant to represent an older character than what is played. Oh, interesting. So, In like, his, Go ahead, keep going. I'm curious. I, I feel like Eric is meant to be the moody teenager uh, type. Yeah. Rather than a child. Uh-huh. You know, under 10, which is what it sounds like they're playing for. But like, if they made him a little older, maybe it would have, or older sounding, then maybe it would have worked more in my head. That's interesting. I have nannied many children in my past life. I felt that it was a stubborn child who didn't want to take a bath. Okay. Like I I, I did, for what it's worth, I, I know where you're coming from. And I do agree that there was definitely angsty teenager energy there. But mm. I've also babysat children that are you know seven eight years old who don't want to bathe who think bathing is like for cult people cult members and that's why i avoid children like the plague uh Uh, whoopsie uh would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist i already have under pressure and i really do like that mashup of um at the very beginning of the movie as well for sure Uh I agree with the opening medley and under pressure rhythm nation. I'm going yes. to throw in bridge of light. Mm-hmm. Give me some pink. Yeah. Some pink. Don't, don't, don't say it like that again. <laughs> I'll try not to. And on that note, Lauren. Yes. We're done with the episode. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. It's a record it. for us. It's a record. Put a fork in it. She's done. Uh, is there anything you want to plug or promote? Oh, that's a good question. I'm working on some new musicals with some friends right now. So that currently occupies all my time. Uh, one of them I've already spoken about, which is Confessions of a Retired Witch with uh, the sweet one and only uh, Dee Bartlett. Uh, Dijamin Bartlett is probably, Ooh. you know her. Was a former yes. guest on the yes, podcast. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Um, I also can talk a little bit about a new musical that I'm working on called Fire Island the musical and it's a oh. romp it's a musical comedy with a lot of heart I think that that's where I belong as a performer is just doing things that make people happy and make them laugh so I've just embraced it hardcore in the last couple of months it's been like no this is just who I am now this is who I've always been I've tried really hard to expand myself and at the end of the day I'm like nah you do stupid real good girl you should stick with dumb. <laughs> Where can people learn about 
uh, Confessions and Fire Island. So pretty much you could find it on my Instagram page, which is at L-A-G-I-Z-Z underscore S-A-N-G-S, which is Lodge's Sangs, just like that. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes at me and laugh at me. <laughs> it's true. Actually, that's, no, the, <laughs> that's the only way you can say that. <gasps> Lodge's Sangs. Sangs. Um, and if you want to email me or message me about, I don't know, global warming or <laughs> do you want to get into a fight with one of us about global warming yeah and whether yeah, yeah. or not it's real <laughs> yeah you could totally do that you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram and twitter at buttersongpod and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation we're going to be talking about the muppet christmas carol like i said holiday season we're doing holiday season and by holiday i mean christmas unfortunately I mean, the, you could do eight crazy nights. Yeah, this this holiday season, though, is already booked. But maybe next year, Lauren, yes. maybe next year we'll do eight crazy nights or I'll find somebody oh, else to do it. I was about to say, I have some very good friends who are of the Jewish faith who would have a lot of fun with that one. We'll talk off camera about it or you know, later. Uh, sure. <laughs> but yeah, um, so let's go save the penguins, Lauren. Okay. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.